Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 41. I'm your host, Riley. Golf is a very interesting thing. It doesn't really make sense. Um, That's why every week is so hard to bet it because it really doesn't make any sense. And at some point, it's not guessing. Uh, But at some points, it like kind of is. Golf makes zero sense. A lot of people love to say that the golf ball doesn't care who's hitting it. It just sits there, and if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. A a 50-year-old just won the fucking PGA Championship, and almost 51, because I think he's like 50 years and 11 months or something. I think his birthday is in a couple weeks. Phil Mickelson, the oldest player to ever win a major championship, won a major at the longest venue to ever host a major championship in 20 mile an hour wins every single day, pretty much making half the course play 50 yards longer on every hole after, after the two shots into the green, what he did in South Carolina this weekend makes absolutely zero sense. And I love everything about it. It was one of those moments where you're sitting on the couch watching the TV. And it's like a moment in history. Like the Tigers win at the tour championship was pretty cool. Obviously his first win in a long time. And the crowds came on the golf course and all that kind of stuff. And it was like awesome. It was like, oh, Tigers back. He just won a golf tournament. But on the other hand, there was 30 guys in the golf tournament. He just beat 29 guys. Um, wasn't even the FedEx cup champion. It was just like, I mean, obviously those are the guys that played well all year long. That's why they're in Atlanta for that golf tournament. But again, not like crazy, crazy, crazy. When you go back and think about it, tiger winning the masters was ridiculous, right? That's insane. He comes back from injury and back surgery and the drama and all that bullshit and wins his 15th major at Augusta national. The only thing that would have made sense, right? And if you told me starting January 1st, 2019, that in the next three years, we would get a Tiger major and another Phil major, that'd be insane. And yesterday was the same feeling that I got when I watched Tiger slip on the green jacket in 2019. The the way Phil won with the fans back and everything, it was one of the coolest things. And we're going to talk about it, obviously, later in the show about everything that happened. But that victory by Phil was one of the coolest things I've ever watched, not only in golf, but sports, right? Obviously, the Patriots, whenever they win a Super Bowl, that's like the best things that ever happened to me. But this was one of those moments where you're sitting on the couch and you kind of just get lost in, holy fuck, Phil Mickelson at 50 years old, almost 51 years old, 
just beat all these ridiculously good golfers. That's all we hear like every week now with the stacked players in the PGA Tour. It's like there are just too many guys on tour for a guy to go out and win a bunch of majors. I mean, Brooks was right there. We're going to talk about him later. He's a fucking problem when it comes to majors. But there's just so many guys, and you name all these fucking guys and all these horses and DJ and Rory and Jordan and JT and all these guys. And then beating them all is 50-year-old Phil Mickelson, who couldn't keep it on the planet a couple months ago. It just makes golf just makes zero sense. But of course, we're going to talk about Phil's everything about the PGA Championship on Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about everything. Uh, touch on Roar's game a little bit. It was Sunday. I didn't really care, obviously, because he was kind of out of it come that point. But man, Friday, holy shit, was Friday and Saturday fucking frustrating. Oh, it was awful. But we're going to talk about that. We just recap the whole kind of PGA. Um, Brooks's effort on Sunday was um, interesting. So we'll get to that. Louis Usazen just a certified lurker uh, at major championships. He kind of just like hunts around the top 20, top 10, pretty much every single major championship ever played. And I mean, he hasn't won. I don't even remember the last time he won one. 10 years ago, 2012, something like that. So... We're going to talk, mention him a little bit, um, but yeah, it was fucking crazy. And then second half of the show, Charles Schwab challenge this week. One of the weirder, like why I put challenge, I, I never got the challenge bullshit. Like that's so fucking weird. Um, but the field is actually pretty good. So we're going to talk about that. There's a lot of guys playing really good golf. Uh, we won some money with Patrick Reed last week. We won some money with Abraham Answer last week. Those are the couple guys that we're going to talk about later to win the Charles Schwab. There's somebody that ha- was playing really good, go- or still is playing really good golf over the last like two or three months. Has probably been one of the more consistent players since the start of the new season at like the U.S. Open. But for some reason, he had one like iffy start a couple weeks ago at the Wells Fargo, and I feel like. He's fallen off a lot of people's radar, so we're going to talk about him. There's a couple guys that we're going to talk about for the Charles Schwab. There's just like a lot of guys like playing really good golf right now. Like Jordan, obviously, he kind of struggled at the PGA with the putter. Just nothing would go in. But he's the favorite at plus 1,000. But, I mean, more is here. JT, Daniel Berger, Abe, um, Patrick Reed, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Willie Z, Sungjae M, Neiman, Jay Rosie, like Gary Woodland. Like this field is loaded. Phil Mickelson, who I thought was going to be 10 bottles wine deep in wherever the hell he lives in Arizona and Napa, wherever the fuck he lives, just drunk off his ass, tweeting at people, which was funny to read actually on Twitter. But I'm very, very surprised that he's playing this week. I don't know if that'll change. I don't know like he'll if he'll drop out now, but. He's in the he's in the field, which I, I thought was kind of crazy. So we're going to do the Charles Schwab. But before we get into that, we have to talk about Phil. I don't have any headlines. I didn't look up any news. I didn't. I Usually I go in and look up uh, like headlines that I can mention on the show. But we're just going to talk about Phil. There's just a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, before we get into Phil, though, I did want to mention. And I saw it kind of going around on Twitter. And I was wondering if you guys agree. Just shoot me a DM later um, on Instagram or Twitter or something. But watching the golf on CBS the coverage all week long ESPN plus is fantastic they do like four featured groups uh which I think is amazing you can't do that every week with PGA Tour Live just because there's not at most tournaments there's not enough featured groups to like actually do that 
So, but for a major, four is perfect. You load it up, but then ESPN Plus started at seven o'clock in the morning and then went to one o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday and Friday. And then ESPN picked up the coverage, it was like Scott Van Pelt, I think was the main guy. ESPN did a fantastic job. Like it was kind of ridiculous how good it was. Like the minimal commercials, again, the featured groups, they had featured holes. They had a just a standard championship broadcast at starting at seven o'clock in the morning, which really nobody does. Like a lot of it is if you do coverage in the morning, it's only the featured groups. But they also incorporated like, no, we're gonna broadcast this thing from the first thing in the morning until it's done in the afternoon. I thought that was fantastic. So Thursday and Friday, I had no complaints about the coverage. I thought it was awesome. But this is where this comes in. I saw it on Twitter, and CBS covered it. I think starting at maybe starting at 1 o'clock on um, Saturday and Sunday over the weekend. And a lot of people were a little bit disappointed that it was CBS. And I kind of like agree with them. Like I love Nance. Nance does a fantastic job. Follow does a uh, fantastic job, obviously, Nick. But, or Sir Nick. But the vibe that CBS gives off, right? They do nothing crazy. Like, they they incorporate nothing. Like, ESPN did a great job with drone work and their cameras and all that kind of stuff. But CBS is just like, they, they broadcast it just like it's a normal golf tournament. And it's not. It's the PGA Championship. It's one of the four majors of the year. And they broadcast it like it's, like, the fucking like the Charles Schwab, like CBS is going to broadcast a Charles Schwab the same exact way that they broadcasted the PGA championship. And to me, that takes a little bit of the juice out of it. I would have, I am sure it's not in their contract. They couldn't have done it, but I thought ESPN should have just had it the entire time. That's why the masters always kind of has like a different vibe to it. It's because you change up the broadcast team. You don't stick the same people that are in there all the time. And it switched up the vibe when CBS had it. It just didn't feel the same obviously it was awesome it's the pga at kiwa island and phil and brooks are all in the mix so like that keeps with you right that stays with you like oh this is the pga championship but when you just hear nance and faldo and ian baker finch and all those guys the same people that you listen to week in and week out at all these nothing tournaments it just takes a little bit of the juice out of it so if it was me i would have kept scott on there van pelt was doing a fantastic job um and CBS with the commercials is fucking awful. They do that like playthrough bullshit where you can see like the play in like a little tiny window as they're also playing commercials at the same time without the golf audio. And it's like my problem with that is they'll they'll like be on a par three and one of them is in shit and one of them has like a birdie putt and they're like walking down to the green and then they go to that like box and box picture and picture commercial shit the playthrough and then you just lose like the energy like you can't keep it going it's very like oh they hit their shots all right let's go to commercial we'll come back when they're done but with a major championship especially on the back nine you can't do that you have to you have to just keep it going you want cameras on the entire walk it keeps up the tension you stay into it a little bit more and I hated how they do that. You think they would? They think they would like put all the commercials first and like in the early sessions, like before the leaders teed off, just to like front load the commercials. And then when you get down to the back nine on Sunday at a PGA fucking championship, that you didn't have to go to commercial all the time. That'd be pretty cool. But it's it was a little bit of a bummer that CBS I think picked it up. I thought ESPN was doing a really good job. I thought they could have kept it, but I don't know. 
It was. Just, it would have been nice. Like the commercials fucking sucked down the stretch. It was just a bummer. Like watching some drama unfold, and then it would just be like a Claritin commercial. It's like, bro, just I want to watch them just like walk on the fairway, the tension, all that kind of stuff. But that's all I kind of had to say about the uh, the TV coverage. But Phil, Phil won a senior tour event ten months ago. He was playing on the senior tour. He's played in three events, I think, on the senior tour. He wasn't hitting the golf ball on the planet. And I guess at a, a dinner a couple weeks ago, his I think his wife was tweeting after the tournament was over, that at dinner a couple weeks ago, Phil came home from practice and was like, I had like just a pop today. Like at practice, everything kind of just like clicked. And he's like, oh, I'm going to win soon. And Tim, his caddy, was like, yeah, this is the best golf I've seen him play in a really long time. And he was like, I'm going to win soon. And to have that mindset, especially at a PGA championship. And this week, Phil is usually very open about, let me talk to you how I'm hitting this shot and what I'm thinking on this hole. This week, he was not like that. He was very closed off, kind of staying to his own game plan, staying in his own head, doing his own thing. And it, and obviously it like showed results. Like, I don't know if he, if he changed anything else about his like warm up and conditioning before the round or just like lifestyle outside of the golf course that made his performance on the golf course a lot better. I know he was playing like 36 to 45 holes a day to get ready because he was having a hard time focusing 18 holes in a row. So he would practice more so that 18 holes felt like nothing as he was playing. And that's a really good idea. I feel like, like I feel like I have a hard time focusing on 18 holes straight that I feel like playing a bunch of golf and then having 18 feel like you're like playing nine holes with your buddies is a fantastic idea. But he played great all week long. And if you go back to Quail Hollow, he shot what 64 in the first day and led the field. So like he's shown flashes, right? And then he went like 74, 75, 75 or whatever it was. But a couple weeks ago, he showed flashes and then he played all great all week, warms up on Sunday and then gets to the range. And I think he was walking over the first tee or five minutes before he walked over the first tee, his fucking like three iron or his utility iron, like face caved in or something, which I didn't think that could happen to irons. I would, I don't think they explained that very correctly, but which is just, how does that happen? Right. That doesn't make any sense. And then you get to five and it was funny because father like kind of called it. He was like, if the golf guards are watching, this has like a shot to go in or something just because of the club caving in at the last second. Cause he was hitting that club a decent amount throughout the week. And then the bunker shot on five was the first moment where I was like, Oh shit. Phil Mickelson might win a fucking major. Like it was, it was cr- that, that shot with the club in the air, with all the fans in the background, was perfect that was the first shot and then on 10 his birdie put on 10 was the first time that I was like I'm gonna be very disappointed if Phil Mickelson doesn't win this golf tournament right because we saw what we know what happened at Wingfoot. we know he can be kind of you know all over the planet when it comes down to like the final couple holes or whatever but 10 was the first time I was like damn he's gonna fucking win this golf tournament is he it was it was crazy. And then you make a couple you make a couple bogeys. I think on 13, he found the water with his approach shot, but the the drop was pretty much on the green. So that's just a true one-shot penalty. Like that's all that was. So then you make bogey and then you make another bogey on 14. Um hit a monster drive on what was that? 16. Brooks threw it 
361 down the middle of the fairway, and then Phil came up and hit it 366 down in the middle of the fairway. And and then all you had to do, you're up by, what, three shots going to 17? Because Louie ended up making double on, I think on 13, actually. He made double on the same hole Phil made bogey. And, like, Louie barely missed an eagle putt on 16, but then Phil gets up to 17, and all you got to do is make par, right? Or not even. All you got, you have a three shot lead. All you got to do is make bogey, and you're still going in the next hole up too. And he just absolutely steps on an iron shot off 17. I don't remember what club he hit. Goes way long of the green in a really shitty lie. Kind of just hacks it out to the middle of the green, two putts for bogey. And then you go up to the 18T, up to at a major championship. And. 18's tough, especially for a lefty, because it's 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 asking for a left to right tee shot over the bunkers. I mean, Brooks just carried everything, but the ideal shape would be left to right. And for a lefty, that's like tough, especially with driver to turn it over like that. And the play all week for a lot of the guys was just to blow it in the grandstands because you get a drop from the grandstands in a place where fans have been walking, so it's flat. And you get a perfect angle to the green. And Phil, I don't know if he was trying to do that, but I do think that he just aimed down the right-hand side and just swung out of his dick. Because if it went in the grandstands, it's fine. If it goes in the rough over there, it's fine. If it goes in the walk-down patch, it's fine. Like, you're up by two. You don't need to do anything crazy. So I think he just let one rip on 18 and ended up finding the left rough. And he has, um, I think he hit nine iron from like 175 or somewhere in that range. And I mean, that's a pressure golf shot. A bunch of people, there's so many people on that last hole, all standing right there waiting for you to hit this golf shot. And he fucking big dicked everybody. He hit it. He started to walk after it. That's when we got our first like fist pump in the air. I just won this golf tournament moment. And then the crowd breaks contain because <laughs> what are you going to do? 20 cops can't stop. Five five, six, seven thousand people, right? Breaks in Tane. Some guy like tried to like touch Phil and he gets in front of the cops and then Brooks hit an approach shot, which was fine, like a little left of the flag, ends up like twenty five feet away probably. So that was it. That was when it was over, done. And then the crowd beats everybody to the green. So Phil is just in the mix with all these hammered motherfuckers in the middle of South Carolina. And he's like trying to weave through and get to the green and then he pops out. And then legitimately, what, five minutes later, Dottie on the ground's like, oh, there's, I think, I think Brooks is, uh, Caddy's name Ricky or something like that. Ricky comes out of the, Ricky comes out of the pile and then Brooks comes out and he was actually not upset about it, but he, uh, he was like, yeah, it would have been cool if like, I wasn't like banged up. Like I forgot about his knee injury. Like all those drunk people, like throwing their bodies around and stuff, trying to get to the front of the green. Like that's a little scary if you're nursing an injury, but then Brooks comes out and then Phil ends up ends up two putt, like a little tap in par after missing the birdie putt, and it was like that moment with the sky view. They had the drones up in the air, which was perfect. It was one of those moments where you just watch and golf like fuck. Like I'm gonna remember that for remember it forever. And his celebrate. I don't even really want to call it a celebration. Like he. He celebrated like he knew he was going to win that golf tournament. Like it wasn't like uh, we didn't even get like a tiger thing. Whereas the hands went in the air. He's hugging literally everybody that he can like get his hands on. I mean, Phil did like hug a lot of the guys coming off the green. 
but we didn't get like the hand in the air. We got like a little pump and that was like kind of it. It was like almost like it was just another everyday thing for Phil, which I did not expect. Like over the last couple of years, he was hitting it off the planet. Like I mentioned, like he couldn't keep it on the golf course. He was playing senior tour events because he couldn't keep up in the PGA. And it's just like, man, is like Phil ever even going to like sniff a top 10? And I think this was his first, I mean, he won, but I think it's his first top 10 since the showdown with Stenson at the open. I think that was in 2016. Like he just hasn't had it going on in majors. And you were thinking like, damn, are we ever going to see Phil return to this stage? So you would think after battling his game for so long and kind of becoming like, oh, I do coffee, I do calves, I do the fireside chats. Like Phil wasn't even like in the golf picture for a long time. You thought the celebration was going to be a lot bigger and it ended up being very small. Like we got a little pump, like I said, and then he kind of just walked off the green, saw Ricky Fowler, saw Paul Casey, saw all those boys, his coach and everything. And that was kind of it. Like it was very docile celebration, but it was just incredible. And then I pulled a couple... I called the uh, stats from Twitter. So yeah, Louis Ustason, runner-up at the PGA Championship. That's his fifth runner-up in major since 2012. That's most of any player during that span. He also only made two putts over eight feet over the weekend. That's insane. Um, Phil, pre-shot routine was pretty interesting to watch. It looked like he was trying to add a little bit of width on the way down. You could tell because he was kind of releasing the lag while he was practice swinging. That can do a couple things. Um, if you get really narrow, that's when you start cutting the ball way too much. That's when slices come in. But it also just helps shallow out the club too when you extend your wrist like that on the way down. Like people that hold their lag too much, you want to shallow it out. And that's how you kind of do it. You feel like you throw your hands a little bit on the way down. And it looked like Phil was doing that a little bit which might have been one of the things that clicked for him, right? If he throws his hands as he goes down, it doesn't really look like that. It's like a feel versus real kind of thing. Like you probably wouldn't really be able to tell the difference, but it feels mad weird. That's one thing that he was working on, which I thought was awesome. And then his stroke gain T to green numbers is one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. He was 176 on tour this season, T to green coming into this week. Data Golf gave him a 0.1% chance to win. And he was first in the tournament T to green. Like, it's just that one thing that just fucking clicks. And his putter was money all Sunday, too. Because people have seen Phil miss a lot of putts, right? You don't, he's got a new grip every single week. This week, it was more conventional, pretty normal putter grip. Although on the 17th hole, when he needed that little comeback or he switched to the claw for some reason, I don't know where the fuck that came from. But he was putting really well, still with that old ass. It's like a piece of metal that he's putting with. I don't know how he uses that thing. It's literally like a butter knife. But the, his his tee to green performance and, it, and and his putting, but his tee to green performance, the way he was striking the golf ball, it was like he didn't even miss he didn't miss hit a shot all week. It was incredible to watch. It was really good. So Phil, obvious, that's just crazy. But then that brings us to Brooks a little, who on the other hand couldn't putt. His putting performance on Sunday was really bad. I think he played the par fives on the front nine at plus three, and then he also bogeyed 11, so he was plus four in the par fives. He missed a lot of short putts. Like in majors, when Brooks was winning a bunch of majors, he was the guy on the greens from like eight feet and in on Sunday at a major. He wasn't missing those putts. And since his last win, he's been like kind of missing those putts. Like he hasn't been the same putter, which is a bummer, but just nothing like really went right for Brooks. Like he found a shitty spot on seven, I believe is the par five on the front made double. And yeah, he just didn't have it. 
it was a second major in a row. The PGA, or I guess the Masters is a little different, but the um, at the PGA when Colin won, he was like in the mix talking all that shit like, oh, I've been here recently, DJ hasn't, so like I have the advantage there, blah, 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 the press conference on Saturday or whatever. And then he went out and kind of like laid an egg, like he got dropped from coverage, like he just wasn't in the mix. And the same thing kind of happened on Sunday at the PGA yesterday. It was like, Brooks just isn't doing anything. I know they were flip-flopping in the beginning. Like I screenshotted or I took a picture of the TV. Entering the final round, Mickelson was seven under and Brooks was six under. After the first hole, Mickelson six, Kepko birdie to get to seven. And then through the second hole, Phil made birdie, Kepka made double. So Phil was at seven under, Brooks was at five under. Third hole, Phil makes bogey to six under. And then through five, Phil makes birdie, goes to seven under to five under to Brooks. And then I think it was on the seventh, they both got to like six under. Like it was ridiculous first half. It was reminding me kind of like going back and forth like that. The, the, the uh, Rory and Patrick Reed match was like kind of the same vibe at the Ryder Cup a few years ago. But I think, what was that, 2016? But Brooks, yeah, it was just another one of those Sundays where like he didn't quite have it on the back nine. And it had a lot to do with the putter. Like he just didn't take advantage of looks that he had with the putter. Um, it's he was striking the ball really good. Everything else was like pretty solid, but for some reason, just the putter just did not come to the party. And it's been kind of like a consistent thing with Brooks of recent, which is uh, like disappointing because it sucks. But so yeah, Phil obviously won. Louis stays in T two. Brooks was also T two. Uh, Patrick Harrington, which is ridiculous, the captain of the European Ryder Cup. Like, where the fuck did that come from? T four. Shane Lowry, who's been in the mix a lot recently and over the last couple months he was good top five finish harry higgs comes out of nowhere for a t4 paul casey who is like the most consistent golfer ever 71 71 73 71 for two under total t4 and then we had abe answer at t8 justin rose who's been in the mix although he can thank a, a five under final round for a top 10 Colin morikawa another good performance in the pga t8 was loaded abe answer justin rose Colin morikawa john rom uh, Willie Z, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, and Kevin Streelman. Ricky, awesome. I mean, he got an exemption into it, but he took advantage of it in top 10 at the PGA Championship. That's awesome. Although, if he made his putt for par on 18, that would have got him into the Masters. So that sucks. But a lot of really big names in the top 10, uh, top 22, like uh, Patrick Reed was right there, Aaron Wise, Keegan Bradley, ma uh, major champion, Charlie Hoffman, Sung J M, Corey Connors, Hideki Matsuyama, top twenty-five after the win in the Masters. He was in the mix a little bit, so a lot of a lot of really good golfers, man, ended up at the top of the leaderboard. I know through a couple of days I was disappointed because none of like the big names, and it was a lot of like I don't want to say like no names, but it, no names to get excited about. And then it turned into the major championship was really fucking good, and the golf course was awesome. Before we get into the Charles Schwab, we can talk about the golf course. Kiwa Island was sick. Uh, I know Padraig or in an interview said that it was probably like the most well set up major championship he's ever played in. And it really was like, they gave you opportunities to make birdies. Like they moved up the tee on three Sunday afternoon to make it or Sunday to make it a drivable par four. Like that's an opportunity to make birdie the downwind par fives. You could easily make birdie on, but then everything into the wind was bogeys. 17 is the most terrifying golf hole I've ever seen in my entire life. 18 looked like it sucked. 
Like you can make doubles real quick. I mean, we saw with Rory who, holy shit, you can find water off the tee on one. You can find the water off the tee on 10. Like there's a lot of trouble working thir- or 12 and 13 were crazy hard. Like the golf course was very, very difficult. I only think what 17 people were under par. 16 people were under par, just played really hard, but it was set up really well that if you played good, if you struck the ball really well, you can make birdies out there, but you can't really hit a loose golf shot, which Rory was doing. Rory couldn't make any putts. He literally made nothing. It was incredibly bad how how bad he was putting. His ball striking, his irons were very good again. And then for some reason, he couldn't hit the tee shot on one and he couldn't hit the tee shot on 10. Like every single day, it seemed like he found the water on 10. He found, I think he found the water on 10 twice. He blew it way left once and then ended up like on the bank of the cart path right, like in a shitty spot that he just hacked it out into the back bunker. I think he ended up making par. And then on one, I think he found the water on Saturday and Sunday on one, like just really bad. So you lose what is that's like five penalty strokes right off the money. You can't make any putts while you're giving yourself a lot of chances to, at birdie. And then he made a lot of bogeys on par fives. Like that was the most frustrating thing. He's got the firepower to get to every single par five and he bogeyed. Um, let's see how many he bogeyed one. Two, three, four, five. He bogeyed six par fives this week. Like that's unacceptable for a guy like Roars. Like maybe mix one in there. You can't bogey six of them. That's giving up. Even if you just take away, you just make par. You don't even have to make birdies on those par fives, right? You can just make just make a or you can't. You don't have to make birdies. Just make pars. That's six shots better. He's one under. And then like in the mix, right? That's in the, if he just parred par fives for the week, just made par. He's inside the top 10 on the ones that he bogeyed. Like it's crazy. And it wasn't even like he's really off the mark, like off the tee. It's like after a second shot, we would end up in kind of like a sketchy spot. And then he just wouldn't get up and down or like three putt or stub a chip or like blade a bunker shot. It was weird. Like his short game was really bad. I don't know what his strokes game to pro, uh, around the green was, but it had to be terrible. But yeah, our guy didn't have a great week, which sucks. Uh, obviously, the quote-unquote defending champion of the PGA at Kiwa, and then he just won the Wells Fargo, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So it was a little bit of a bummer for him that he didn't compete as well. That is, I'm sure that he wanted to, but we'll see. If the the short game was like weirdly bad, like he's usually pretty solid around the greens. His putter was really off, uh, but he's striking the ball really well, which is very encouraging. Like he had a lot of looks, like a lot of makeable looks for birdie, and he just couldn't make them. But Phil, lefty, congratulations. Unbelievable. Six major joins uh, Trevino and Faldo, I think, are the only other guys with six. Or something like that. There's only a couple guys with six. But Phil, unbelievable week. Kiwa Island did not disappoint. That ocean course is gorgeous. It was just a really good major. And we only have like less than 25 days or exactly 25 days till the U.S. Open. So... It's almost major time again, so that's sick. But with that out of the way, let's get into the Charles Schwab. Like I said, it's it's a little tough to – it's usually kind of tough to get it up for a, a tournament after a major. I usually want no part of it. But the field this week is actually pretty good, and they're at a pretty historic golf course, which is cool. Colonial is pretty dope. We'll talk about how it's changed a little bit when we get down to the uh, course preview, but 
The field's pretty good. World number two, Justin Thomas is here. He just missed the cut at the PGA. He was playing with Brooks and Roars all week. And he actually had like a, like a, probably like a 15 to 20 footer for birdie on 18 to make the cut. And it just didn't, it just didn't break enough for him, which kind of sucked. And it's all on one putt, but he missed it, missed the cut. And he just wasn't sharp. Like nothing about his game wasn't like, he was pulling driver a lot. Like he wasn't fading. He was double crossing himself a lot and usually doesn't have to do like the helicopter finish to hit a cut. But he was like getting to that point where he just could not keep the club face a little open at impact. And every, it was just shutting everything down, which sucked to see, but, and nothing really was good. Um, at this venue last season, he did finish inside the top 10. So we'll see if this could be a little bounce back spot for him. And like I said, lefties teeing it up, which is very, very surprising to me. We'll see how his form carries over. I'm sure that he's still drunk with the family. So we'll see what Phil can do. Jordan Spieth is here. Uh, last year's champ, Daniel Berger's here. Colin Morikawa, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed, Kevin Kisner. There's a lot of good Tony Finau's here. Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris. Like, there's a bunch of guys here. Course, Colonial Country Club, par 70, 7,200 yards. The fairways are Bermuda. The greens are bent grass. Uh, 1936 design, which I'll get to in a second why that makes an impact. Uh, a little bit of weather update. Tuesday's 84, 41% chance of rain and 12 mile an hour winds. Wednesday is 87, 21% chance of rain and 10 mile an hour winds. Thursday is 87, partly cloudy, 10 per, or 12% chance of rain and 14 mile an hour winds. Friday, 84, uh, 44% chance of rain, seven mile an hour winds. Saturday is 84, 35% and 10 miles an hour. And Sunday is 84, 18% and 10 miles an hour. So the wind's going to blow a little bit, especially with the storms coming in. I'm sure that it will gust more than on average, like 10. I'd play for a little bit more wind and we might get some rain pretty consistently over the week. So we'll have to uh, keep an eye on that. Key stats. So the two things or the only deep, I'll go over this first. The only defense that this course really has is its narrow fairways, right? And they have really well-placed bunkers throughout the whole routing. Like this golf course was awesome back in the day because it, it is very difficult. The fairways are very tight, blah, blah, blah. But last year, especially last year, it kind of highlighted the problem where you got a bunch of big names at this golf course because it was one of the first tournaments back after COVID-19. Like they went to this one. I forget. It was might have actually been the very first one back now that I think about it. But a lot of big names were there. And these dudes were just blowing it over dog legs, blowing it over the bunkers. You can take everything out of play if you can hit it a long way. So this golf course is kind of hurting from the technology portion, if that's what you want, if that's how you want to say it. It's just they it hasn't kept up with the technology as much as other golf courses have. So when it comes to what is important. Like some people want to say, oh, it's driving accuracy because of the narrow fairways. But if they're narrow fairways, it's their hard fairways are harder to hit for everybody. So if they're going to be hard to hit for the entire field, you want the guys that are going to be hitting it further because they're going to have wedge out of the rough instead of seven iron. So it kind of brings distance into it a little bit more than driving accuracy, I feel like. So distance is a little bit more important than accuracy this week. And then on data golf on their little chart um, that plots comparatively to like the tour average uh the approach is by far the most important thing at this golf course you need to hit your irons really well so we're going to be looking at iron players this week and then a uh, short game especially if the wind starts blowing a little bit over the course of the week and you need a guy with good short game you're going to miss greens especially if you're uh hitting into the rough off the tee you're probably not going to hit a bunch of greens or the majority of the greens anyway so you're going to have a good have to have a good short game to uh keep up and actually around the green according to data golf is the second most important thing so there you go
Uh, some more data golf information for you guys. Course fit. Number one is Brown Deer Park Golf Club. Number two is La Cantera Golf Club. And number three is TPC Four Seasons Resort. Trending of the players in the field, we got Abe Answer. It's actually kind of funny. I think the top three players trending on data golf are all in the field, which is kind of cool. Uh, trending of the players in the field, Abe Answer, his last three starts are a fifth, and a second, and then a T8, I believe he was at the PGA Championship. Uh, number two is Jordan Spieth. He was T9, T3, T30. And then number three is Brian Harmon, who T13, T18, and then he just missed the cut at the PGA Championship. And then I got to look at if they've updated it. They have. Jordan Spieth has a 5.9% chance to win. Justin Thomas is second at 5.4. And then Kal Morikawa is number three at 5.3. And if you guys remember, he was, he lost, was it in a playoff to Daniel Berger or lost on like, I think it was a playoff to Daniel Berger. So he was right there last year. Abe Answer is number four and Corey Connors is number five. Betting odds. This is, I've moved over to FanDuel because I'm kind of over DraftKings. DraftKings has been pissing me off a little bit lately with their uh, pick options, if you want to call it that. And I've found that over the last month or so when I've been looking at both of them, 95% of the time FanDuel is actually more lucrative odds. So that's what we like. Uh, Jordan Spieth is the favorite at plus 1,000. Kyle Morikawa is at 12. Justin Thomas is at 13. Daniel Berger is at 19. Abraham Answer is at 21. Corey Connors is at 23. Patrick Reed's at 23. Scotty Scheffler's at 23. Tony Finau is at 23. Will Zalatoris is at 23. You go a little bit further down, Gary Woodland, who just had a pretty solid week at the PGA despite a bad, 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 bad back nine on Sunday. He's at 43. If you go down further, Matt Wallace, who we bet on last week, is at 65. So there's a lot of guys in the field that we can go over. Um, I only have uh, four of right now, and two of them or three of them are people that we bet on all the time. And then the other guy is kind of like my um, sleeper, not-so-sleeper. So we're going to have the Abe answer is the first, or Patrick Reed. Let's start with him. We want some money with him last week. And I just think this is a golf course that Patrick Reed is going to win at at some point. The two most important stats, like I mentioned earlier, are approach and in the round the green. And those are something that Patrick Reed does really well. He's a good ball striker. He's 24th on tour this season in strokes and around the green. He's second in putting, which again, that plays anywhere. I say that in the week. When he's made the cut this season, which he's done 10 out of 14 times, he's finished no worse than 22nd. So when he makes the cut, he plays, he top 25 is pretty much automatically. His last two starts are a T6 at Quail Hollow and a top 20 at the PGA uh, Championship. And last year at this event, he finished T7. So he's shown form at this golf course before. I just think, I want to I wanna see, I might look up real quick if he has, because when I was going through results earlier, I was only looking at Charles Schwab, um, championships but i think a couple years ago the name of this tournament was actually like the fort worth invitational i'm pretty sure i'm just making sure he hasn't won this golf tournament before because this would this would be like this golf course i'd think just sets up to patrick reed really well especially if the wind blows a little bit and short game becomes really important it that's like screams a Patrick Reed win. And then I think he like made the cut on the number at the PGA championship and just had like a really good weekend. Um, yeah, I think he made it on the number or yeah, on the number and then went 69 70 to finish inside the top 20. So he did something clicked over the weekend. So we'll see if, uh, we'll see if Patrick, I think he's going to contend. I think he's going to top 10. I don't have the odds in front of me. Let's see if FanDuel's updated it. 
they sometimes take a while to do like top tens and top twenties and stuff. I think they only have outright right now. So Patrick Reed's one of the definitely the guys we're going to be looking at. Abe Hanser, again, is a guy that we're going to be looking at this week, riding the hot hand for sure. He's finished on inside the top 10, three starts in a row, and two of those are actually top fives. Last year at this event, he recorded a top 15 finish. He's 12th on tour in greens regulation, which means you have a lot of putts at birdie. Hopefully his putter will cooperate this week. The greens are right on PJ Tour average at, um, at, at Colonial. So... We'll see. Abe answer, obviously, I don't, I think he's still looking for his first win on tour. And he's had kind of like the Sunday scaries where he, if he's in contention on Sunday, he just can't close. So we'll see what happens. I know he was in the mix at the RBC Heritage a couple weeks, or uh, last year, was it? And then at the Wells Fargo, obviously, he was solo runner up to Rory. So maybe he's kind of put that behind him. But we'll have to see if he can close. I know, judging by the odds, he probably won't have plus money for a top 20, so we'll have to roll the dice with the top 10, but I feel pretty confident in Abe answer this week. And then Willie Z, he just finished inside the top 10 at his third straight major, which is like pretty crazy when you think about it. I mean, the kid is so young, doesn't even have like tour exemption yet. He's just like playing on tour, and he's like the 30th ranked golfer in the world, I think, if not more than that. I think he might even be higher than that. Let's look that up. Like, that's crazy. There should be something where, like, if you're inside the top 50 in the world, you should just be, like, allowed on the PGA Tour. So he is up to 27 in the world, and he's not a member of the PGA Tour. Just fucking crazy. But, yeah, I think we're going to go back to him this week. Um, approach, most important stat around Colonial. Tough to find a better guy in that category than Willie Z. He ranks second on tour this season in strokes and approach. He was second in the field at the PGA in that same category last week. His last two starts are a T17 at the Byron Nelson and a T8 at the, uh, at the PGA. Like I said, he's still looking for his first win on tour. He's in his home state of Texas. It would be, you know, a nice storyline for him to get a win down there. Same thing with like Scotty Scheffler this week, who has shown pretty damn good golf over the last couple months. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the Texas kids. We just did that storyline a couple weeks ago at the Byron Nelson where we bet on a bunch of Texas guys. But I think this golf course is, is also one that sets up nice for Zalatoris. I think he'll have to bring a short game. His short game is not that great. Um, he can struggle with the putter a little bit. So we'll see if that stuff carry. I don't know. His short game will have to be sharp. Just be Especially if the wind blows, you're going to need to be able to get up and down. He did just top 20 at a windy Kiwa Island, so we'll see if we'll see if uh, that happens for Will. And then the last guy we're going to talk about before we get out of here, and of course all the batting stuff will be up later this week, but is Corey Connors. This is a guy, this is a guy, sound like Collinsworth. Um, he was on everybody's radar a couple months ago. Let's see if I can bring up his, and not even a couple months ago, like a month ago. He was in the mix at the RBC Heritage. He was in the mix at the Masters. Like he was just hanging around pretty much every golf tournament he played in. And then going into the PGA Championship, no one really talked about him just because I don't really know why. He had like, he finished T21 at the Valspar, which is like not as good as he was playing before that. And then he T43 at the Wells Fargo, and everybody kind of like forgot that Corey Connors was playing really good golf. But before that, T4 at the RBC Heritage, T8 at the Masters, T14 at the Valero Texas Open, seventh at the Players, third at the Arnold Palmer, top 20 at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Like the dude was playing some golf, and everybody has seemed to forget about him. He just finished inside the top 20 at the PGA Championship. He was a round one leader, and then he shot 75 in the in the second round to kind of drop his way down the leaderboard. But that's he's going to be the guy that I think is going to be one of my picks to win this week just because 
I think he's like all of a sudden under everybody's radar again, and no one's really paying attention to him again. Really good iron player. He's fourth on tour this season in strokes and approach, and he's also inside the top 10 in both fairways and regulation and greens and regulation. So we love that consistency. He's going to need to putt well. But in 2018, when it was the Fort Worth Invitational, I think it was the old name, he top 10, T8, and then last year he finished inside the top 20. So obviously he likes this golf course. He's He's in really good form over the last, like, six months he's been incredible at least four months so he's going to be probably one of my picks to win so we'll see what happens but yeah guys that's it um didn't want to go crazy i mean we covered a lot for the charles schwab but we talked so much about the pga that i'll wait and give you guys obviously more information in the um the betting article that comes out wednesday and all that kind of stuff but Again, keep an eye out for all that stuff on Wednesday. Share the show around with everybody in your uh, life that loves golf. Um, It's awesome to hear from you guys on Instagram over the last couple weeks. So we'll uh, keep adding stuff. And then the socials at Twilight uh, Twilight9pod is the IG. At RileyHamble underscore is my personal IG. You can DM me about the show, whatever. And, And yeah, guys, that's it. So enjoy the golf this weekend. Enjoy the Charles Schwab. And then I think it's the Memorial. I don't want to be wrong, but I think the Memorial's the week after. I feel bad that I don't know this. I think we're going to Jack's place the week after this. Yeah, Memorial. So that's going to be sick. So next week, uh, we'll talk about the Memorial, recap the Charles Schwab, but enjoy the golf this weekend, guys. And we got a big one next week.